Pressed. I'm Chris. And I'm Jake. Had a fun episode for you guys today. Fun episode. Yeah, it is. Nikita Breeden from Oil Stain Labs. I'm not sure if I'm saying that right or not, but one of the uh, one of the brothers that is be- the genius behind Oil Stain Labs. And, and the half 9-11 that you probably have seen all over Instagram. Yeah, and what's interesting is... Um, you know, you admit that you had first just kind of come across him through this half 9-11 yeah, thing. Yeah, I look at Oil right? Stain Labs, I look at the car, I look at all the marketing and the renders and stuff. I'm like, oh, this guy sounds interesting. Right. And yeah. then you learn about all of his credentials, yeah, his back he, history, all of his work that he's where done. Where he came from. He's a transportation design consultant and futurist specializing in big picture future design thinking, planning, and executing. Currently freelancing for General Motors Advanced Design in North Hollywood. Has also done work for Toyota, Honda, Acura, Hyundai, Volkswagen. And we're talking like futurist type stuff like yeah. designing things for these companies that are going to be happening what in, i love in is like 20 Chris years asked him, oh, ha, ha, are there any designs that we've seen and he's like not yet <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's it's pretty awesome it's it's a great interview i know you guys will join enjoy it. but before we get to that what have you got for us yeah let's take a moment to talk about our sponsor petrol box petrol box is a multi-service made specifically for the automotive enthusiast each month they carefully select items including tools detailing supplies apparel garage gear stickers publications, and all of that can be sent right there to your doorstep. I'm wearing one of their t-shirts today, and actually, I think every day I'm basically wearing one of their t-shirts now. Uh, It's a curated selection of kind of the latest and greatest gear in the industry. There are actually two different levels of subscription that you can choose from. You have the Petrobox Basic, which costs less than 20 bucks a month, while the Petrobox Premium gets you even more gear for $39.95 a month. Go check them out at mypetrolbox.com and be sure to use the code OVERCREST, which will get you $6 off your first order. And remember, also head to overcrestproductions.com and apply for the rally. rally. Slash rally 2021. Or just go to the page. Uh, there's a link in our, you know, our Instagram stuff like that. If you're having trouble finding it, if you're like a nine thousand years old, <laughs> uh, applications close at the end of the month. So That's if you right. want in and you want to hang out, if you're already applied, tell your friends that you want to come with you. That's right. These things are more more fun with friends. Um, all right, let's get to our interview with Nikita. Hey man. Hey, what's going on? Not much, man. How you doing? I'm, I'm very good. It's it's great to have you here. I'm here with my co-host Jake. Hi, Nikita. Awesome. Hey, Jake. You know, it's it's always interesting when I, you know, I find somebody, I'm like, wow, I really think this is interesting. I'd like to talk to this person. And then I start looking into what they're doing and what they've done. And all of a sudden the whole thing like extrapolates into this, <laughs> this like optical illusion of who is this guy? Where has he been? What is he doing? How did he get here? It's so much, becomes so much more interesting and cool than this, you know, this myopic look at whatever somebody is doing right now what chris is trying to say is he saw the half 9 11 project yeah. and was super enthralled <laughs> and had no cool. idea you had all these other credentials <laughs> yeah so it's, well, it's become super uh, rad you're giving me way too much credit i appreciate <laughs> it i'll be honest with you i was when you guys were just doing renders and stuff i kind of like casually looked over your your instagram like oh there's another guy bunch of guys doing renders and i just like tuned out immediately because i look at manufacturers that are doing renders before cars are even sold and yeah. and I just went, wow, what is this? It's another, you know, it's more, you know, fake stuff that I, and then as I kind of like started paying more attention to what you guys were doing, I started like thinking about kind of the way you guys were marketing things. And all of a sudden the car like appeared, I'm like, holy shit, this is super cool. And I, and I want to talk about all that, but before we do, I want to kind of, I want to find out where you came from and where your roots are. And I know your brother are, you and your brother are kind of intertwined a little bit, but I want to speak to like what kind of, you know, where did this journey start for you? Like, wh- how do we draw a line from 
um, little boy Nikita all the way to half 9-11. Where does that line start? Wow. Okay. That's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, sometimes I ask myself that question. I'm like, how the hell did I get here? Um, what kind of wrong turn did I take? But um, <laughs> yeah, uh, let's see. I will occasionally go into we because it's obviously my brother and I were twins. Yeah. We've been doing this for so long. Um, we basically grew up together. And yeah, we're fortunate to do the same thing. And we're fortunate to have Oil State Lab together. Um, but yeah, I'll try and stick to first person. But yeah, in that vein, you don't have to. It's, it's, it's not a big yeah. deal. In that vein, you know, like you see in like TV and everything, they're like, oh, well, the twins, when they're apart, they can psychologically know what the other person is doing. Oh, yeah. If he like stubs his toe, do you feel it? Yeah, but I'm just thinking in terms of like a. In terms of like a design and concept standpoint obviously we're getting way i wanted to talk about yeah. this later but it came up uh, does do you guys like finish each other's design language because everybody's like oh you finished my sentences we're made for each other is there like a de design language that you guys talk in that is it kind of mm. like transcends what normal designers and art directors would deal with no well i mean okay uh well that's your, let's see uh the answer to that i guess would be i think it's a benefit because we are relatively different i mean we're more similar than obviously two designers from two different continents um because we've shared a lot of experiences and we we've shared a lot of i guess education as well um but i think it's a it's a really good benefit because there's there isn't you know, design is very subjective and it's very personal. There's a lot of ego involved. You know, it's always my design's the best, right? That's why right. you're proposing it. So I think what we have is the ability to call the other guy out and say, dude, that's bullshit. Like, you know, like that's not good. And, uh, you know, you don't take it as personally as it, you know, somebody else told you that. So there's a there's a real honesty there and it's really constructive and it's super competitive. I was gonna um, say there's gotta be some competition there. You know, everybody calls you twins your whole life, assuming you're the same. <laughs> you gotta constantly be driving to be different and better in some ways. Oh yeah, it's it's competitive for sure. But it, it it's like a, a healthy competition, you know. It, it's really we wanna see each other succeed, but at the same time, like if someone's doing crap work, I mean, you tell them it's crap, or if someone's doing awesome work, then you wanna beat them, right? right. I mean, that's just it's natural, but, um, for sure it can get heated occasionally. Um, but then, you know, we, we've been together so long, we've worked together so long. It's like 10 minutes later and, you know, can go share a beer again. Yeah. You know? The best things are forged with heat, right? <laughs> things get a little heated. Oh, yeah. 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 So where did you, where is, let's start with this line. Where did you start? You're, you're Canadian. Um, on your website, it says you like maple syrup, and we're from Minnesota, so we're basically <laughs> hey, we're, right with you. we're honorary Canadians, but we we like to speak oh, yeah. in freedom dollars and everything like that. But you know, how does it just seems like the when you think about Canada, you don't necessarily think about you know cars and design and stuff like that. Where where did this start for you? Yeah, sure. Uh, so to go back from the very start, I was actually my brother and I were born in Ukraine. Um, during the Soviet Union era, and uh, my parents had to actually escape that place. Um, and so they were kind of, I don't know, I guess if you, I wouldn't say refugees, but yeah, they had to escape it. What, 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 was, the, what was the issue that was affecting their life specifically? Uh, well, I honestly, I was way too young, and I've never really talked to them about it, but I do know that like, basically my dad like, jumped off a ship and swam to Turkey in the Mediterranean. Wow. So yeah <laughs> so that i know um but i'm not really sure i mean obviously they weren't happy <laughs> right do you know how yeah. your mom and you and your brother got over them uh so i guess after you were outside the country you could call somebody out 
Like oh, you could request that the family joins you. It's or like something tag teaming. Like, that. like once you're outside the ropes, you can tag team and they can <laughs> yeah. they can get out. Exactly. Wow. Um, I'm unsure of the specifics. I guess they're 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 kind of they haven't really talked about it all that much. I, I imagine it was a a stressful, tough time. Yeah. Um, I mean, amount of sacrifices they must have made for you guys to be where you are today is incredible. Yeah, I can't imagine. And so yeah, they came to Canada. I think with like ten dollars in their pocket, something like that. And Canada took care of them, uh, hooked them up with some work and jobs, and then they built businesses. And they're both really smart. They both have like PhDs um so they're they're incredibly educated um and they found their feet and yeah so we grew up in canada and uh played a lot of hockey ate a lot of maple syrup and uh (laughs) i think around i mean i think most kids do this you draw cars or you draw dinosaurs you draw aliens i mean you draw something yeah i was Um, always drawing like characters like men and dudes and swords and all this other stuff (laughs) yeah like comic book type things yeah, for me and my brother it was it was dinosaurs and and cars, and then for some reason I guess we we I guess we were lucky. I mean, we we grew up in a very small city. It was Halifax, Nova Scotia, East Coast, sort of northeast of Boston. Beautiful. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's a small city. I think it's like two hundred thousand people, and uh, somehow stumbled on a website. I think it was Car Design News or something, and we're just like, "What? You can design cars for a living?" <laughs> I think we were. We were like seven and then we, you know, uh, just decided that's what we wanted to do. We had a couple of friends and we would, we would all sketch, um, cars in class at school instead of obviously studying. And then after school we go play hockey. So we were, we were kind of a disappointment to my parents. (laughs) Now I'm curious, you said they both had PhDs. Did they come from the design or automotive world at all? No. So there was no car culture at all in my family. Um, my mom's PhD is in wave theory. Um, so I guess that's like frequency analysis and stuff like that. Wow. Um, yeah, she, I mean, I could go on and on. She's worked on some crazy projects too. And then my dad's, he has a PhD in business, I think. So he was just doing a lot of trading, um, international trade by, by low sell high right. type stuff. Yeah, you don't need a PhD for that. Just buy low, sell exactly. high. <laughs> Somehow, exactly. well, then, Chris, how is your trading going? <laughs> oh, man. I'm, I'm, for some reason, I always buy high, sell low. I, just, I, I don't have a PhD. That's what I, I, I got to do. I just got to get the PhD I and, just, and deal started. Just, or just write off the losses. You'll be fine. Yeah, no problem. Um, then it's like free. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so, yeah, they, they, they were not into cars and, and they just never understood us. They, there was no art in our family at all um like at all so do they encourage you at all or were they trying to steer you in a different direction i I, you know it's kind of sensitive because i've i've talked to them about this they feel like they encouraged us but i feel like they were hoping we would grow out of it and become lawyers and doctors because you know we would go on when i was 12 or so they bought a bunch of books about colleges and they're like why don't you pick one and it was only schools that were good for lawyers so i'm pretty sure we're supposed to be lawyers and we weren't. <laughs> you ended up going to school in Pasadena. Well, before that, um, my brother and I are actually dropouts. So we dropped out of high school at 14 um, with the support of my parents. I, I wouldn't say dropped out. We kind of graduated, kind of didn't graduate, didn't get a diploma, but we completed all our education at 14. And then we went to Italy and studied car design there in Torino for about a year and a half. Where? What, what, uh, what was this like? What? 
it well it's a it's a university um it's ied torino um and we we actually got accepted to go to a school in england coventry which was our first choice because uh, my grandparents live there and it would have been convenient but they, they found out we were 14 and they're like yeah no you're not allowed to you're not allowed to go to this university um so well, we ended up in Italy. to be done with you know primary school work at 14 and go off to college that's that would be seen as strange as the from the admittance office to be fair yes yes no i i mean i don't blame them um and you know i i grew up very i guess a sheltered life and i don't know how well i would have survived anyway probably would have thrown it all away anyway but um yeah so italy was kind of kind of awesome different language you got to learn a new language and my parents uh did come with us and they got this awesome apartment and it was right near the college so we could just work you know walk there um and that was that was fantastic and you know that's when they they really they were like gosh i hope they grow out of it but <laughs> we gotta support them right <laughs> you know and uh about after a year and a half there we decided that the school just wasn't uh intense enough wasn't you know it wasn't what we imagined it to be and we saw a couple projects from the school in california uh, art center uh, and there was Sasha and Nick and all these amazing talents. Uh, and we we're just like, shit, we, we, we got to go there. You know, Lots like of big names be, went there for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to pause and reflect on the fact that you're 15 at the time at a university in <laughs> Italy and you go, you know what? This isn't, I'm too smart for this place. <laughs> well, so you, you and your brother are obviously uh, quite intelligent. I'll, I'll tell you this. Okay. In Italy. And I love the country but the education there was a little bit funky. Okay. So our final was supposed to be in June, you know, like the curriculum's laid out. I have my tickets to fly back to Canada for the summer. The students decide that that's not enough time to complete the work. They need more time. <laughs> and so the final European. gets pushed back to August. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> so they get an extra two months to complete their work. I hand in my work in June and I fly to Canada. I'm like, I, I don't, I don't understand this, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, it was, it was very loosey goosey, if you will. Um, that's European in general, Italy specifically. I think Germany in, in some <laughs> ways is very similar to lots of time off, lots of not working. Yes. It's, but it's... at the same time, the Germans have this reputation of being like very precise yeah, and everything the Italians is are, are not yeah. precise. If you've looked at any of the frames of their cars. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. So you're up in, you're up in Cal, end up in California. Yeah. And you, yeah. you finished your education there. And I see that you, you know, I'm looking at your resume. It says you were freelancing for GM and you did stuff for Toyota, Honda, Acura, Hyundai, yeah. Volkswagen. Is there anything that you've done that I would go, oh, yeah, I've, you know, I've held that steering wheel or grabbed that door handle or what, what were you working on? Uh, so I've personally been working on more advanced design stuff. So it's 20 years in the future. Um, so you've seen a lot of the planning and stuff that we've put in place, but my hands wouldn't be directly on a surface or a control surface or, or an exterior surface. However, my brother, um, he's during the time at Honda, he did the CRV, the current CRV and current RDX. So those would be two cars. Um, and then he did a couple show cars and stuff. So he, he worked a little more production near term, let's say, um, compared to me. So how did you guys end up being like, all right, we're doing this cool stuff with these, you know, legacy manufacturers. We got this, you know, there's job security there. How do you mm -hmm. end up like, where's this oil stain lab thing come from? Yeah. So the funny thing is oil stain lab started in 2012. Um, and very quickly we, 
after about three months of operation, we realized, uh, wait, we don't have green cards. We're actually not allowed to have a business. <laughs> so, so it got shut down immediately and we were like, you know, so sorry. Um, and, uh, yeah, so it had to stay shut down until basically 2019. Um, when we got our green cards, we got everything set up and it's really kind of a creative outlet for what, we want to do and the projects that we want to work on. Um, I think most, most probably you and most of the viewers or listeners would, would agree that, you know, the reason you get into car design is for like the cool cars, the driving sports cars, emotional connection, you know, kind of the difference between a car and a fridge, right? Nobody draws homogenous blobs of crossovers when they're they're 10 years old. They're like, hey, mom, look, 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 we can look at all this stuff we can put in the back. Look at the cubic inches. It's amazing. And mom's like, yes, I'll put it on the fridge right here. Perfect. And no, no, nobody dreams of that. Yeah. And uh, and then you kind of work in the industry for a couple of years and you realize like, wow, I'm doing cars that are electric that have no steering wheel they're autonomous they're basically their business model is you know rent per mile it's not an it's not even an ownership model it's a shared ownership model you're just like this is not what i got in this for you know like these are not the cars that got me excited to do this in the first place. And so you, you said those it? buzzwords and Chris is just fuming yeah, over here. Like, so where does this <laughs> entire concept come from? Whose idea is this? I've never talked to anybody in my life that's like, yeah, I saw, you know, I saw this World Economic Forum tweet that says, you will own nothing and you will be happy. That was like this thing that it was a real thing from the World Economic Forum. I'm like, my mind is like, oh, my God, like, where is this coming from that they don't really want anybody to own cars? It's not like people are out here going, yeah, I really don't want to own anything. I don't want to own a car. It doesn't seem consumer or market driven at all. Where is this? Where is this coming from? Who is driving this concept? Um, well, the, the, uh, the idea is that it's easier for the consumer. The reality of it is, um, and I, I don't really work in the OEM world anymore, so I can kind of speak more bluntly, but it's driven by profit. Um, right now I think legacy auto manufacturers make something like, oh, what was my research? It was 0.7 cents a mile profit. Based on what the mileage that you put on a car. Yeah, exactly. Before you buy the next one. And then if you look at sort of ride share, you're, you're operating at something like 1.7 cents a mile in profit. So it's significantly more. And you know, the, the automakers look at like Uber and stuff and they're like, what the hell? These guys don't sell anything. They're worth billions of dollars. They make a bunch of money. Hmm. And I don't know. They um, haven't shown any real profits yet. Have they? Well, they're great at hiding it, just right. like Amazon and yeah. Google. And, <laughs> you know. That's true. So uh, it's it, it's a lot easier to hide it when you're you're you know dealing with kind of a software thing. And you have contractors, you don't have employees, you don't right. they don't even have any assets, right? And it's an incredible business model. And so the the automakers look at that and they're like, "What the hell? We could do this. We could make an app where you buy a Buick and then you rent it out during lunch. You know, if it's an autonomous car and it." picks up your groceries or picks someone else's groceries up and delivers them and you make money. Um, so in theory, it's possible for you to have a car for free in theory. It sounds like it would very draconian. Like when I look at a car, I see, <laughs> I see it as like the ultimate expression of freedom to travel, right? It's freedom for me to go where I want, when I want, how I want. That still seems like that's a little bit not 
there's no freedom in that. You're, you think you you have the guise of freedom, but you're still utilizing the resource of someone else to do what you want versus right. having your own resource to do what you want. Right. No, I totally agree. And I mean, again, that's kind of the genesis of Oil Stain Labs, the genesis of the name. It's everything that we do is sort of away from that world because I, I personally don't, I'm not a fan of it. I don't necessarily believe in it. Um, but I do know a lot of people will accept it because it is, you know, you don't have to pay insurance. You don't have to do this. What you bothers do you about it? Oh, what bothers me about it? Um, <laughs> when you think of oil stain lab and what you're doing and what is it, what is the concept that you're trying to, you're push against? What's, what's your opposite? You know, what, what is it? I that- mean, yeah, it's not, it, it, it's funny. Um, there's a lot of problems with the old kind of OEM car industry. I mean, it, it's built on sort of planned obsolescence, right? It, the, the whole idea that every five years you need to buy a new car um, because it looks a little cooler, a little newer. The fact that most cars are bought with money that people don't have. Um, it's it's a really kind of a shallow industry in many ways. You know, we sort of facelift a car and make it look new and um, and then on top of that, yeah, all these sort of shared models and shared ownership. I mean, to me, I just, it has zero appeal because, you know, if you equate it to a refrigerator, like, are you really going to share your refrigerator or somebody like just cause you're not using it or something? I don't know. It's just strange. Um, it's a strange concept for me to like sit in a seat that who knows what somebody else did. Maybe they had like their dog in there and now you have a dog allergy. Like, I don't know how it all work. I'm not a fan of it. Yeah, ownership of, nice. ownership is trying to be nice. Yeah, well, you <laughs> no. look at like what we have as things, right? Like, like my car, my 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 nine eleven, which I I own. I don't have a loan on that car. That yeah. car is a physical representation of the money I spent for it, which is a representation of my time. Like my time is. It's your sweat equity. It's my sweat equity has been turned into a private property type of thing. And if you don't own anything, what is necessarily the incentive? to to drive the the private property model it's like kind of being removed well, from the equation it's an interesting thing because you know as we move more digital the idea is that you know perhaps you own a skin or you own you know you own your settings your data etc right and so you can transfer those across cars or you can even you know create some sort of a brand out of it um so you could imagine a chris 911 skin for a lift mobile, you know, <laughs> so and there's a bunch of pictures of Porsches inside. Oh yeah. And it's, yeah. And it smells, you know, you pump a little perfume in there and it smells like gas and oil and, you know, <laughs> there's some nostalgic noise. I mean, it's very sort of out there, but you know, you can imagine me, no way <laughs> Gucci or, or, you know, some other brand doing something like that. And yeah. so it becomes an experience and then they pay for the ride. Your ride is free. It's convenient for you. They sell you shit. Um, there's gotta be a vicious cycle. (laughs) So oil stain lab, when you think about it is the antithesis of that. Right. So I think as time goes on, you may have 80, 90, 95, 98% of society going along with all of this, but there Mm -hmm. is going to be like somewhere between a zero and 5% that is like, fuck off. I don't want the Gucci car. I want my own car. I want my own thing. I want my own bag i want my own refrigerator i want my own fill in the blank the thing that matters it means something my records you know i don't want to listen always listen to digital music i want to put a record on like there's people that want to feel sense touch something that is their own ownership of things is really really important so how does oil stain lab what are you guys doing to to fight against this i guess i should say 
Well, I mean, we're non-confrontational. We're Canadian, so we're, uh, <laughs> we're definitely definitely not fighting anybody. Yeah. Um, we're just going to kind of sit in our little corner here and uh, do our thing. But uh, yeah, I mean, oil stain is basically like a combination of our, I guess you could equate it back to our education, right? So we went to Italy. We did the coach building. We met Jaguaro. You know, we, we went to Pinaparina. We, we saw the hand-built passion, the way cars were kind of supposed to be. Um, and then we came to California and you have the whole hot rod culture. You have, you know, incredible high tech stuff with Tesla, SpaceX, all that stuff. Um, and then you've got Hollywood culture, which, you know, it's got the, the alternate history, you know, fake storylines, fiction, you know, storytelling, um, aspect of it. And so it's a combination of all those things into what we think is, and it, (laughs) it isn't really a product or a thing. It's just an approach to doing stuff. So, you know, we do marketing branding for some companies, we do graphic design for other companies, but it's the general approach that things need to last. Things need to be timeless. You can't just chase a fad. They need to be sort of authentic in a way. Um, And the whole idea is that it's not wasteful. It's not um, kind of, you know, it doesn't last for 30 seconds. It should be something, if you get us to do something for you, it should, in theory, last more like architecture, you know, on a on a timeline of maybe a few generations of people instead of just, sounds grand and maybe arrogant, but I guess it's a different approach than sort of five years, then we design something cooler the next five years. Have you had you anybody know, a, hire you and then try to fight you and change your outlook? I mean, clients are always right. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure, sure. Uh, we we try and educate and stuff, but of course, you know, again, you can't you can't change everybody at the same time or at the same pace. So it's like you know, we see it as kind of a step. So like, if we do one project with you, we'll we'll push back for sure. We'll tell you why it may be wrong, but in the end, it's like if you want something, like we kind of have to, right. you know, deliver it. Um, in a way, but of course we turn down other people. If we, if we don't like it, that's the beauty of the business is it's our, it's very much our side gig. Um, so we can definitely tell people to just, now we're not interested. So when you talk about like timeless design and you talk about architecture and you bring that into the conversation, Mm -hmm. what, what makes good design when you see something, you're like, wow, that's really well designed. Are there certain things that are kind of ubiquitous throughout design that make it good or make it timeless? Yeah. I mean, I, I think there are, um, I mean, obviously it's not the same for everybody. Um, and you can love something today and hate it in 10 years, but I think the things that really last a long time, if you look at the, you know, the cars that have resonated across generations, across technologies, everything, you know, they're relatively simple. They're relatively pure. Um, and a lot of the form is, is intertwined with function, which is, you know, uh, obviously a very common saying, but it's, it's definitely trying to sort of avoid trends or fads, um, in a way, but it's really trying to distill it to its most pure form. Um, and kind of, do you need everything? What can you remove? And when you can't remove anything else, that's kind of when you're done. Um, and that's what we try to do. But obviously there's pushback and then there's technology limitations and then there's regulation limitations. Like be awesome to have no headlights, but you need those, you know? So right. <laughs> Or you design pop up headlights, then you don't have well, to have headlights. 
a lot of those are illegal too. <laughs> are they now? They're illegal. <laughs> yeah, pop-up yeah. headlights were outlawed due to crash, uh, pedestrian crash. Oh yeah, you don't want to get hit with There's a sharp angle or something. Well, sharp angles and hit yeah. Height. Well, it, it's not the sharpness of it. It's actually when they're closed um, because they need to be quite strong. And so, if your head were to hit there. Oh. There's no give versus a hood where you normally are supposed to have like, I think a hundred millimeters, let's say four inches of kind of clearance to anything underneath. So if your head hits the hood, it can push the hood down. Right. Physics and all that fun yeah. scientific yeah. stuff. No, it's not fun. It's yeah. terrible. Yeah. Safety ruining design <laughs> yet, yet, again. Terrible. <laughs> yet again. So I, you know, when I started scrolling through your guys' stuff and looking at it, the thing that I always saw was, this kind of, um, and as it became more interesting, like like I said earlier, I'm like, oh, rendered car, eh, and I kind of just kind of tuned out. And then I came back and I went, oh, this rendered car in this place. And I'm like, is that real? And I'm like, no, nope, it's a render. But then it started becoming more attractive to me because I was like, it's it, it's put in this like vintage frame. Like there's like, you have it on the cover of Road and Track and then it's yeah. out at like Le Mans. And it's like, it started being integrated into all these different vintage things. And the car kind of, it kind of fit, like it kind of looked like it could belong there. Where did this, mm -hmm. uh, where did the concept for building this, I think it's called like the half 911 or the 455.5 or whatever. Uh, where did this concept come from? Why are you doing this? Yeah. So, I mean, the, 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 the project started, I mean, we just bought a Porsche tub for $500, um, just totally unplanned, had to pick it up, built a dolly in the parking lot like out of home home depot lumber <laughs> and uh, i dragged it home because it was too good to pass up and then it kind of sat in our yard for a year and a half while we just came up with a few ideas i mean we we've built a few 911s we have a few we've got you know our marlboro rs tribute we've got one with turbo flares and we have another one with you know crazy wide body fiberglass flares um so we've kind of got mild to wild and then we thought just go wilder you know like what Extreme, do we do yeah. to like really stand out? And you know, the Porsche resto mod market is super saturated, <laughs> I was right? Say, I it's mean, like the, a sponge <laughs> that you could pour a lake out of. Yeah. There's so many different takes and I mean, they do cluster around one brand and people tend to copy it. And, um, that's awesome, but we do things a bit differently. So one day, of course, it's, it's always like this. There was a few beers involved and we're like, what if Porsche, you know, we've always won a 917. Um, but the, the problem with the 917 is like, what engine do you put in if you build a replica? Like, right. you know, what do you do? I mean, flat 12s are on obtainium and it's like, what do you, you can't. Um, and so we decided, you know, what if you kind of have to know the rules a little bit back in like 1967 to 69, there were two different classes of prototype sports cars. So the GT40 technically was a different class than I think the 906s. Yep. And, uh, you know, one was a street class, one wasn't a street class. Like the GT40 was the street class. So the idea would have been that the 911 would have competed against the GT40, but it would have been based on a 911 chassis. Um, and so we kind of slammed a Formula One car of the era into a 911 in CAD. My brother did it at work when he was bored. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> We looked at it and we're like, holy crap, like, that's awesome. Let's start developing it. Um, and so, yeah, for the next year, we kind of developed it. And then we started eventually building it. Um, and the whole fake history comes from, I mean, it's it's a very multifaceted thing. Um, but the, the real thing is, you know, we, as I kind of mentioned, I work like 20 years in the future. 
And when you're, when you're doing that, you almost have to be a little bit of a method actor. So you kind of have to like pretend what technologies exist, what kind of urban infrastructure there is. And so with this project, we needed to like set ourselves back kind of in time and be like, what would they have done? Like what technology, what modifications to the car, how would they have done this? And so part of that was to create a bunch of images that would put it in that mood, right? So aesthetically would fit in with those cars. Um, also it's a great marketing tool because, you know, everybody endlessly scrolls on Instagram and it, this forces you to engage with it. Like, wait, is that real? Is that not real? Totally. I don't, happened to me many you know, times. Like there's a picture know. of right here with, br- with the Brumos, uh, RSR and there's your car right next and to you it. Go, wait, yeah. Wait, wait what is that? Yeah. 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 And it seems like this is kind of a, a commentary as well. I'd, I'd love to just read a line here from your website. You said the world we live in is sharply questioning the idea of universal truth. A world where real and fake can mean the same thing to two people. This project is our critique of the world we live in and the social issues we all face. Now you're laughing, but I really like that. I mean, yeah, it's a, it's a wild, wild world that we live in right now. I mean, it is truly almost impossible to tell. I think, you know, just with the technologies, all the face swapping, the, the artificial intelligence video mapping it's even the photography in, in in like Porsche's brochures I look at it and go can you just please take a photograph <laughs> it's all render it's all virtual lab it, or uh, yes. uh you know it's it's all the rolling shots none of it's real and I can look right. at it and go that's not real but regular people don't care but I want it to be real I can right. take the picture and have it look better just hire me it's probably cheaper than the software anyway well, they're doing it because the photographers are too expensive. <laughs> well, and right. a lot of times the car isn't built yet. Yeah. Oh, that yeah. That's, well. that's another thing is there's all kinds of people selling cars that, that haven't ever that been are just built. basically a, that are still like a pipe. It's a thing. concept. Yeah. 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 So you guys have the no, car. I mean, it's, it's like a thing now. It's, it's, a, it's a thing. <laughs> how long? Have, okay. Let's start before you jump right to it. How long have you been working on this? Where did it go from saying, okay, we have our concept of a 911 front on a Formula One of the period? How do you mm-hmm. how do you go from that to looking at your bare tub in the backyard and putting it together? Yeah. Okay. Wow. Um, I, well, so when we decided, okay, that's an awesome concept. Then obviously we had to discuss like our entire approach, how we're going to do it. Um, and part of it was doing these renderings. Part of it was figuring out what kind of componentry we're going to use, what kind of engine transmission, figuring out the packaging. Um, and really the fundamental first thing was to decide on the wheel and tire package. Yeah. And the wheel and tire package is from basically a 1970s F1 car. We looked at the widest 15 inch rims you could get and we're like, that's what we're doing. Um, <laughs> How do you acquire said wheels and tires? Uh, Well, that was its own thing. So I think the wheels, it took us about two years to make them in, in, in uh, conjunction with Rotiform. So Brian, I've known Brian like a long, long time and Jason, um, and they were actually our neighbors. um, And Jason still is our neighbor, uh, the kind of the, the founders of it. And so they were at, the, like at the shop there, like at the, at no, at the house, office? the oh. house, the house. Oh, I was going to go over to his house when <laughs> I was out there and I didn't. We could have just accidentally <laughs> bumped, bumped into each other. Yeah, I, we're one street over. Oh, awesome. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so they they have always been very supportive of our stupid projects. And uh, 
they they graciously volunteered to help engineer you know the whole center lock system and a custom design um so we created all the data they did some of the structural analysis on it and obviously made it for us once they found the barrels the barrels were almost impossible to find and uh then the tires are, you know, they're hand cut slicks. I think they make something like seven sets a year of that wow. tire in that size. Um, so, yeah. And then they're hand cut groove. It's just, you know, it's, it's every little piece is just super cool. You know, that a guy named Bob cut the grooves for it on the tires. Like right. that's just, just neat. I think. It's, um, it's almost like it's the, it couldn't be more opposite of, of how things are manufactured today. Uh, it, exactly. it, it, it sucks that it's just so monument, like a, such a monumental task that a regular guy, can, there's no possible way he could even think about it. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you, you really have to go and dig around to find all this stuff. And, you know, it's obviously we've, we've been doing car design for nearly a decade. So our connections are, you know, quite, I guess, quite elaborate. We have a lot of weird people that we know. Um, so that helps us a lot as well. But yeah, once we decide on the kind of the tire package, then what the next step was, um, we bought a set of front fenders on a hood and welded them together and then just started cutting them to where we wanted the, the whole thing to sit based off kind of our CAD model, just a real rough proof of concept. And uh, after that, we reached out to an engineering fabrication company and build the kind of the, the tube frame. The first company screwed us royally. Uh, they will go unnamed, um, but they they really screwed us. And then we found Joe uh, Scarbo, and he's been awesome to work with. So, yeah, we kind of have a little bit of a joint thing going kind of now uh, where we handle sort of his design. He handles our engineering on all our side projects or whatnot. Sure. And uh, that's a great partnership because he's an engineer's engineer. I mean, he function comes first for him no matter what and i'm the opposite i'm very much aesthetically driven so we gotta we have had a, both we yeah we had a few bad bumps into each other when we were designing the chassis and i was like can you just move this up and he's like well you can't get a tool on i was like i don't care i'll make a custom tool that looks like crap <laughs> yeah you're the, you're the guy that when, when i'm cursing things when i'm taking something apart and i can't get a wrench yes. on somewhere that's you <laughs> yeah it's either that or that was a bean counter who was like yeah we can't afford to make a different stamping <laughs> screw the guy who's maintaining it so um, one thing i was looking at that's really cool when i look at your instagram is the is the exhaust i was gonna say that is it it looks literally incredible. a work of art yeah tell us about that yeah that was another kind of ordeal so that was 18 months start to finish um from kind of knowing where the engine's located and where the exhaust tip needs to be and kind of you know, the design portion of it isn't necessarily that long in terms of figuring out primary lengths and merge collector, blah, blah, blah. Um, and again, we kind of chose to go for more aesthetics rather than all of performance and chase an extra 10 horsepower. Um, so that freed us up as well a little bit. But it is, uh, the entire system is 3D printed in Canal. Um, and what is that? What's we, in Canal? It's uh, it's an alloy kind of related to stainless steel, um, but it's the the primary benefit of it is it's very very stable at high temperatures, um, and you can it's very strong at high temperatures as well, and you can do really minimum wall thickness. So we have a one millimeter wall thickness on it, um, 
and it, it's basically it, it's used for i guess the best exhaust systems in the world like formula one uses it the japanese guy in japan who builds those crazy headers for mercedes is to sound like pagani's he uses yeah. it now. <laughs> it's so painfully expensive um and so after getting a few quotes to get it built by hand um because we wanted it also to be you know, it's a period correct piece and they didn't really do mandrel bending back then. They, they stuck more with uh, sand bending um, back in the sixties. Right. And so if you look at those headers from those F1 cars and Lamont prototypes, they're very organic. They're not geometric like mandrel bending would do it. So um, after kind of getting a few quotes and the, just the tubing alone, um, Jesus was like five grand. Um, we, we ended up deciding that we're going to experiment and, I'm not sure if there's ever been a full 3D printed kind of exhaust flange to exhaust tip exhaust system built on a car. Um, yeah, I've I know seen Bugatti, lots of intake manifolds, but nothing like yeah. an exhaust like this. I know Bugatti and Kona said, because I, I talked to a few of their engineers who reached out and they're like, hey, let me give you some pointers, blah, blah, blah. I know they've they've done it as prototypes, but they've never put it on a production car. Um, and part of it was the processes that they use. So they were using uh, laser sintering, DLS printing, um, where basically a laser kind of melts each layer and builds it up that way. Um, and we worked with uh, Mimotech. I guess they're one of maybe the only company in America that does uh, DLM printing, which is uh, laser melting. So actually the part comes out of a pool of the material, I guess like a Terminator almost. <laughs> um, <laughs> so it's a lot stronger. It's more resistant to vibration and, and, and stuff like that. Um, cause the molecules, I guess are aligned better. Yeah. You want the, um, you want the most aligned molecules, molecules. Yeah. Ever. So what, what engine is this thing? <laughs> right. attached what to? does this breathe through? So, uh, our, our first initial car, we, we chose to do it based around an LS. And the reason is we want to just, um, test the chassis to to the limit so it's uh it's ls based but it's it's closer to kind of a c7r motor or a c6r motor sorry um so it's dry sumped it's got individual throttle bodies it's been bored um it's been destroked obviously all aluminum um and uh yeah should should rev out to like maybe nine thousand rpm and make something like <laughs> 650 horsepower plenty. which is a lot on a that's, push rod motor that's plenty yeah yeah so it's it's not a very sophisticated engine but um our goal wasn't to evaluate engines or even to in many ways it would have been easier to actually just put in like a 3.6 vario ram or something into it mm -hmm. um but we figured we, we never intended to make the more than one when we made that choice and then when we started the whole project everyone's like oh i want one and then like, oh, what engine is your prototype? Like, oh, LS. They're like, oh, that sucks. And I was like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it was supposed to be just like our rough kind of backyard car. And things definitely changed uh, throughout the process. So, yeah, we if we do make more, I guess we'll probably just offer either water-cooled or air-cooled Porsche motors um, with the personal, my personal dream now being a GT3 RS uh, from a 991 or... 997. I did read so. something at some point you were thinking about a Judd uh, racing V8. That's for our car, yeah. Uh, until we talked to a mechanic, and then he was just like, yeah, 2,000 mile rebuilds. Ooh. Yeah, and I was like, well, that's like one week to car week. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's awful. You know, it's, it's interesting the way that you guys have it set up now with the LS in it. It kind of has, it has like a Can-Am 
look exactly. to it. And I do really like the velocity stack sticking straight up. Uh, so I know the LS concept is kind of like people are like, oh, LS, everybody puts yeah. those in Miatas. <laughs> but just from a from a visual standpoint, the velocity stacks look freaking incredible. We, yeah, I mean, we have a few plans. So those velocity stacks aren't the final ones. We're actually 3D printing different ones that are going to be taller. We're going to have different air filters on it, different valve covers. So we're going to disguise it let's say you know yeah it'll be cool it's like not... if you do the velocity stacks they're all like slightly different lengths and they're usually <laughs> anodized a color i'm just thinking i'm thinking full can-am mclaren yeah yeah uh, that kind of stuff is yeah last weekend there was a shadow can-am car Ooh. and he had the crazy uh kinsler sort of in- injection with yeah the diagonal velocity stacks and they're all different sizes it was like it's, whoa it's crazy. last year there I'm was enamored with it there was 13 yeah. of those shadows out at road america yeah, for their vintage oh, wow. or whatever whatever they had going on crazy cars wow. yeah i love that brand i love how that whole thing started i wish someone would revive them but how did it right start now, i don't know tell me i need to know <laughs> i love the um, uap stuff which is what it's they, like <laughs> united or universal oil petroleum petroleum yeah yeah, well, their whole, I think their founder was either CIA or FBI, and they were super secretive. So they would all, you know, their logo with the trench coat and the hat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's awesome. Um, so that was a representation, and they were, uh, I mean, I might be totally butchering this, but um, yeah, so they, they would show up, I guess, to the initial test, like all dressed like that. The car had no sponsorship <laughs> or anything. And like, yeah, that's just, it's just so cool. Like they were underground before underground was cool. You know, you imagine being the guy that owns that place and just wearing that outfit and just standing by the other guy's tent. Exactly. Like, yeah. Just exactly. by the paddock, it's just like a notepad, not even writing anything down, just standing there. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, unfortunately, the, the company is now owned by an Italian guy who makes like not the greatest of sunglasses. Oh, well, that's, 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 quite, that's quite a flip so, for sure. Yeah. It's a bummer. Yeah. Yeah. So you've, you've had some interest or do you think you might make a few? I would like to see a few of these. Uh, yeah. I mean, so our goal right now, and I mean, it's always been just to get our first car done. Um, we've actually told a few people like they wanted to throw a lot of money at it and we were just like, no, we don't want any pressure. Like just leave us be like, this is our project. Like <laughs> just stay away. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, so, I mean, it's been kind of crazy. I mean, we've had a few requests, strangely people want electric ones too. Um, that seems is, so counter with the whole concept of it. I don't know. I think it's something that could, should be investigated. You know, I, I I'm, mean, not, I'm not opposed. We've packaged it. I mean, we can make one with 700 horsepower and probably like 200 mile range. Um, cause it's a really small car. It's, there's not a lot of space. So, um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, we, yeah, certainly we'd love to build them, but you know, it's, it's a, it's a difficult concept in today's world just because you, you are going to have to wait. I mean, it's a handmade aluminum body that mm-hmm. takes a long time. Um, are, a you, lot soci- of people, are you saying soci- society isn't very patient right now? Is that what you're trying to tell me? <laughs> yeah. A lot of guys want to like swipe a credit card and, you know, drive out the door and it just doesn't work that way with coach building. You know, you need a commitment of probably two years, let's say to get a car. Um, and so it's a part of it's education, right? Part of it is just, there's no products like that out there right now. Mm-hmm. Um, unless you're uber wealthy and you, go get a Rolls Royce for like 28 million or something. Right. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, it's kind of, yeah, we're, we're kind of developing the whole, I guess, client program or client, like what you would expect throughout the process and like to make it more 
appeasable or, or yeah, I guess manageable. So you're not. So have you driven it yet? Is it, has it, has it moved? Have you driven around? Uh, someone pushed me in it. Does yeah. that count? Did you make noises? <laughs> <laughs> I made, I made room, room noises. Yeah, yes. Perfect. That's, that's, um, that's always a step. That's, that's, that's one way. One step last on the way. weekend, yeah. Last weekend we were at Laguna and it has brakes. So, I mean, in theory, could have towed it up to the corkscrew. And hey, there you go. <laughs> yeah, I saw the video of you guys driving around. You've got the Marlboro car, which you guys are bringing out on the Overcrest Rally, and then you've got Riley's uh, Riley's Camaro or Trans Am out yeah. there, which is uh, yeah. that car is unbelievable. Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, I'm. He's helping. He's basically making the half eleven run. Um, and so the cars, the half eleven's out of shop in Sacramento, and he's unbelievably talented. Like, you know, he's half designer, half fabrication engineering whiz kid. So super glad that he's kind of finishing it up. And I think he's about two or three weeks away. Um, but I said that two or three weeks ago. So that's all right. Just um, keep saying two or three weeks. That's fine. That's fine. So I I have to ask, is there going to be any sort of an event or a time when this car will be revealed and finished? Well, finished is a loose term. Um, It won't be finished anytime soon because it'll actually grow a roof um, soon and then it'll grow doors. And we're kind of just using it as a prototype to evaluate all the different variations of it, I guess. Um, But in terms of it running, that we might actually do more secret and we may do a video of it before as part of the reveal. So we've been very open with everything so far on the kind of the gram and the progress. But I think with the startup, because honestly things can go wrong. Yep. Oh yeah. <laughs> and so I think our first even track day will probably be a private track day, private track uh, test session with as few people around as possible. <laughs> I was more just selfishly wondering there happens to be a big Porsche show in the Midwest coming up in September if we would be able to see it there. Yeah. Okay. Well, in theory, we're working there. You may have heard of it. Yes. Oh, okay. (laughs) I don't know if they'd welcome us with an LS. (laughs) Yeah, that's. Yeah, they're picky. I don't know. I think for some reason, I feel like this thing could maybe. It would maybe get exemption. Oh yeah. It'd just be great to see. I I can't wait to see it, and maybe next time I'm out there, I'll have to come squirrel well, my way into the fight. idea is that we're going to try and drive it up to car week uh-huh. in, theory. Okay. in theory if we can get it street legal in time which will be a big if but yeah um that's the plan and then uh once it's running i mean we plan on i mean one of the big reasons to put an ls in it was just we plan on either dailing it or driving it everywhere and we want to do like almost a cross-country trip with it um so that's overcrest rally 2022 yeah yeah that sounds good (laughs) bring it out bring it out man it's been really great hanging out with you today man (laughs) i I really appreciate you spending some time with us no it's been fun thanks for having me i look forward to meeting you cool 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 all right keep up the good work i it's this thing is fantastic and it's always like i said it's always interesting seeing where people came from when you see something like this, you just know that there's got to be some sort of foundation or history behind it. And I appreciate you hanging out and sharing it with us. Cool. Yeah, no, it was my pleasure. Thanks guys. All right. Take care of yourself, man. Yep. Cheers. Right. Yep. Bye-bye. Bye. Well, this thing's rad. This is so cool. And as I'm going through here, looking at this, I'm all the details we didn't even touch on. Like they're 3d printing their own 
HID headlights for this thing or LED headlights. Yeah, we could have gotten. I didn't want to try to get into the weeds too much with all the things they're doing. But but there are so many cool details that you can tell they're obviously designers that are able to just kind of let loose. Yeah, it's oil stain lab. It's it's incredible. I like the uh, I like the counterculture thing with it, where it's you know it's kind of fighting. Uh, just all the homogenous garbage that we're seeing. And it's interesting to hear his take on ride sharing and everything else that yes. is essentially being shoved down everybody's throat. Right. Nobody wants it. Guess what? You know, it's like it's like the, the government is, has a spoon and the corporations have a spoon. And they're just like, you know, when you're a kid and you don't want to eat something, but they're doing the, here comes the airplane. <laughs> and they've got the little gruel on the on the spoon. And they just like, as soon as you smile oh, and oh, open your mouth. So the oatmeal is what the the OEMs are producing. Yes. And the government is the one with yeah, the spoon. That is correct. I and gotcha. they are shoving it right in you. As yep. soon as you smile for like a second, they're like, ha! <laughs> they, just, they just shove it right in your mouth. You know what I would gladly smile though for? What, what are you going to smile for? The products over from Oberk Car Care. Ah, yes. Oberk Car Care is your source of professional detailing compounds and supplies that's researched, tested, and developed by professional detailers themselves. These guys are the people that are passionate about detailing and know firsthand what makes a great product. And they truly are great products. It's a simple, foolproof, two-step process, easy, and gives amazing finishes. Right now, they're offering a whopping 20% off your next order when you use the code OVERCREST. The discount code is good not only on OBRICCARCARE.com, but also on DetailedImage.com and CarSuppliesWarehouse.com. Go check them out today. All right, guys. Follow, subscribe, leave us a review. We would really, really appreciate it. And just a reminder, registration for the rally, applications for the rally close at the end of June. So if you want to come... We're over halfway there. Yeah, you want to come, you want to meet some of these people, meet all kinds of new faces and make some new friends and meet us and drive in some amazing places. And have an adventure. Have an adventure. uh, Overcrestproductions.com. It's all there. We will see you guys on Monday. Take care. Friday. Friday? Friday. 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 See you on... We'll see you Friday. We'll see you Friday. All right. We'll be right back.